0: Welcome back to the Core EM Podcast, core content for anyone, anywhere, and just in time. This is the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue EM Residency Program. This week, we discussed an article on the use of icataban in patients with ACE inhibitor angioedema, and I thought this would be a good opportunity to talk about angioedema management in general, and then we'll talk a little bit about this specific drug. When we talk about angioedema, we need to define the disease. It's a transient, localized, non-pitting distension of the skin, usually happening in the subcutaneous layer or the respiratory or GI tracts in the submucosal layer. A number of inflammatory mediators are at play, which cause vascular permeability, allowing fluid to diffuse into the interstitium. Angioedema typically affects areas with loose connective tissue like the oropharynx, the extremities, and the genitalia, and that's why these are the areas you most likely are going to have that are swollen. The most common etiologies are hereditary angioedema and drug-induced. Hereditary angioedema is pretty rare, about 0.002 to 0.01% in the general population. So depending on where you live, you may never see a case of hereditary angioedema. The most common causes that we see in the department are drug-induced, and the most common drugs are NSAIDs and ACE inhibitors. About 0.1% to 0.3% of patients who take NSAIDs will experience angioedema, and 0.1% to 0.7% of patients taking an ACE inhibitor will. Now, those sound like pretty small numbers, but remember, there are millions and millions of patients who are taking these drugs every day. Patients typically present with asymmetric swelling that is painless. The lips, tongue, and posterior pharynx are the most commonly involved sites, or at least the most commonly involved sites that come to the emergency room. You often are going to see just the lower lip, or just the left side of the lower lip, or maybe just the anterior tongue that's swollen. Many cases are fairly mild to moderate, but patients can have severe swelling leading to airway compromise, and that's the thing that always gets us a little bit nervous. There are two main forms of angioedema. There's the histamine-mediated and the bradykinin-mediated. The histamine-mediated patients will present very similarly to anaphylaxis. They'll have utrecharia, they'll have itching, and they'll have the oropharyngeal swelling. The bradykinin-mediated patients, on the other hand, will have swelling, but eutricaria and itching are going to be pretty much absent. There's a more thorough discussion of the pathophysiology on the Corium site, and we'll drop a link to that post in the show notes. But the key is that if you see swelling and urticaria itching, the patients are likely to respond to the same treatments you give to anaphylaxis, epi, antihistamines, and steroids. The bradykinin-mediated form, on the other hand, is less likely, in fact, it is highly unlikely to respond to any of those treatments. Let's say the patient comes in with tongue swelling. They were able to tell EMS that they take an ACE inhibitor, but in the ED, they're barely able to talk because of the size of their tongue. The patient is awake and alert, has a normal respiratory rate, and their oxygen saturation is 99% on room air. They're understandably a little anxious, but otherwise, they don't look that bad. What management should we consider in this patient? The primary concern is to determine if the airway needs to be controlled. Many patients are going to have oropharyngeal swelling, but it'll be stable by the time they reach you and no intervention is needed. However, if the patient is having rapidly progressive swelling, if they're having difficulty phonating, or if there's any hypoxia, an advanced airway is likely going to be necessary. Making the decision to take the airway shouldn't be taken lightly as these patients can be anatomically challenging due to the amount of swelling that's present. The call really needs to be made at the bedside depending on how that patient looks, If the patient has rapidly progressive swelling, early intubation is the best call. Basically, take the airway before the swelling is so great that you can't see anything or even get your laryngoscope in the patient's mouth. Awake intubation is a very reasonable consideration here because you can keep the patient breathing and protecting their airway while you get the tube in. Pairing an awake approach with fiber optics is probably the best way to look at this if you have fiber optics at your disposal. This is a good place to call your anesthesia or ENT colleagues if they've got the intubating fiber optic scopes, but even better would be for you to have those in your department and you to have the skills to use them. Regardless of your approach, a double setup is mandatory. Someone, whether that be you or your colleague, should be prepared for a crike in case you run into a can't intubate, can't oxygenate scenario. After airway, there's not a whole lot in terms of management. If you think the swelling is histamine-related, you should give the typical anaphylaxis stuff, epinephrine, antihistamines, and steroids. If your patient has a hereditary state like C1 esterase deficiency, and these patients often will know what they have, you can treat them with baronert, which is a C1 inhibitor replacement derived from human plasma. A calatinide and a cataban are also approved for this indication. The ACE inhibitor-induced angioedema patients, which are the ones that we most commonly see, are a bit different. These patients get a buildup of bradykinin due to the inhibition of the angiotensin-converting enzyme. There are case reports and case series of using FFP for this indication with some success, but while FFP does contain some of the necessary enzyme, it also contains bradykinin and kininogen, so the administration may actually worsen the patient's angioedema. We mentioned before the use of icatabant for patients with C1 esterase inhibitor deficiency, but what about using it for ACE inhibitor-induced angioedema? This is the question that we discussed in conference and what prompted this podcast. The use of icatabant for this indication was first studied by Bass and colleagues, and their results were published in 2015 in the New England Journal of Medicine. This was a small, unblinded, single-center study comparing icatabant to steroids and antihistamines, and it demonstrated a more rapid resolution of symptoms with icatabant. Despite the weaknesses inherent in a study like this, The results were encouraging. It was published in the New England Journal of Medicine, and so that meant that a lot of people were going to be keyed into this as a possible therapy, but clearly further study was needed. We got that further study just this year with the CAMEO study. This was a much larger trial that was randomized and double-blinded, and it found no benefit to the use of icataban. Based on this high-quality evidence, there's no role for the drug currently in the treatment of ACE inhibitor-induced angioedema. Without a clear treatment, what should we be doing beyond airway management? Observation for progression is the key. If the patient has progression, we're going to need to either intubate them to protect their airway and ensure oxygenation and ventilation, or they're going to have to be admitted to a highly monitored setting in case they progress to needing an airway. On the other hand, if the patient is stable with no signs of progression, they can probably be discharged home. Either way, the offending agent, the ACE inhibitor in this case, should be discontinued lest the patient has a more severe subsequent reaction. If the patient doesn't have progression, but they've got significant swelling of the oropharynx, admission for observation is reasonable. And again, you want to put them in a place that's highly monitored. So if they have airway compromise, it's going to be recognized and it can be managed. How about some take-home points on angioedema? Number one, airway management is paramount. Expect a challenging intubation and consider controlling the airway early. When taking over the airway, consider an awake approach and fiber optics if available. Always be prepared for the can't intubate, can't oxygenate scenario with a double setup. If the patient has utericaria and pruritus along with their swelling, the process is likely histamine-mediated and it's going to respond to the typical anaphylaxis treatment. Finally, observe the patient for progression of swelling, and don't forget to stop the inciting medication. Well, that's all for the Core EM podcast this week. Come on over and check out the site at coreem.net. We've got a ton of great core content emergency medicine. We'll have a core post up on Wednesday and a journal update up on Thursday. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page, follow us on Google Plus, and on Twitter where our handle is at core underscore EM. Thanks, and see you all next week.